Secret Podcast on Service of Change Radio, where we challenge reality, question that which we've been taught, and hope to inspire a new direction of thought to bring about change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II, with Service of Change at serviceofchange.com, where you can read my book, I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are, for free online, just for subscribing to the Seeker newsletter, which is also a free weekly newsletter that gets sent right to your inbox, where you'll get not only your access to your media access to I Am Human, but you'll also get my thoughts and insights on a weekly basis talking about our latest podcast and other things that may be going on in the world. And as we know, there's always something interesting going on in the world that I think is relevant to what we talk about on this show. Over the past week, we had uh, President Obama address the nation trying to, I guess, alleviate any fears people have and build confidence in our ability to protect our citizens against terrorism. And, and I'm not going to get too much into it because that's not what this show is about, but I have to say I was, I was pretty underwhelmed by uh, Obama's speech. And, and I think it's mainly because I, I just he just seems like he's reading from a script. You know, I don't get a lot of uh, emotion behind his words. He said some, some things that I think with the right speaker, I'm thinking the way Kennedy used to speak or even President Reagan, um, you know, they were, they were very powerful speakers uh, and just knew how to rally the troops, so to speak. And with Obama speaking, it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, buddy, you know, I, I don't really think he said much of anything uh, other than, you know, uh, let's not let fear consume us, which is a good, you know, a, a good rule of thumb, I think, in, in the things that we talk about on this show. But I don't want to get into the political discussion about it. I just wanted to acknowledge, uh, you know, what's going on in the world right now. Um, and, and just give my opinion. I, I'm underwhelmed by, by what he said. Um, I, I think there's there's other alternatives in this world. So, in uh, in some things that came across my news feed, this is a, an article that came out uh, November 27th. You know, tonight tonight's kind of or today's kind of a, like a free flowing show, but I want to do a little bit of a focus on uh, on nature and our understanding of it, and uh, I'm talking a bit about nanotechnology actually and man's influence on nature. Um, so I came across an article at unknowncountry.com. I, I really love going to this website because I have some neat stuff out there. Uh, and this article is called Scientists Create Machine-Plant Hybrid. Now that really caught my attention. Uh, and I'm going to read the article here. It's a short one. It says, 
Researchers in Sweden have created what they are calling an electronic plant, a machine plant hybrid that has electrically conductive wiring integrated into its internal structure. The research team sees a wide variety of applications for this development, including plants that can react to the environmental changes or plants that could act as electrical batteries using photosynthesis as a power source. The cyborg rose was made by taking an ordinary garden rose and immersing the clipping stem into a solution of a liquid polymer that was drawn up into the plant's xylem vascular channels, the plant's naturally occurring internal fluid transport system. Once inside the channels, the polymer self-assembled into a conductive strand that could act as a wire that an electrical current could be sent through. These wires were then connected to naturally occurring electrolytes in the plant's tissue and through that were able to create simple electrochemical transmitters, a logic gate, and other electronic components. A similar process was used to inundate the interior of the plant's leaves to achieve a similar effect, creating an electronically, uh, electrically conductive layer within the leaf. The polymer formed individual electrochemical cells that could act as pixels that could change color when electrical current was applied to be used as a simple monochrome display. Now we can really start talking about power plants. We can place sensors in plants and use the energy formed in the chlorophyll, produce green antennas, or produce new raw mater- or new materials. Muses study led Magnus Bergen from Linkopig University. Everything occurs naturally, and we must use plants, our own, own very advanced, unique systems. I, I don't know. I find this article fascinatingly terrifying. Uh, that we are able to turn a plant into uh, basically a battery. And there's a lot of connections running through my head right now. Uh, Number one, I've done, I think, a couple shows where I've talked about uh, the the secret life of plants and the research that's done. Um, The researchers escape me right now. He's a former, former polygraph technician who was able to connect, you know, polygraph wires to plants and, uh, figured out that plants were able to react and respond to human emotion and intent. So when somebody was planning on burning the leaf of a plant, it was registering a measured response. Uh, I'm, uh, th- this research is going into my book, uh, I Am Human Food for the Archon, showing that, hey, plants are basically uh, emotional gauges, emotional receptors. They're able to pick up on human and, and other um, Emotions of anxiety, stress, and suffering is what it seems like out there in the world. So I wonder what this does to the plant. I wonder if there's an emotional reaction to the plant with this type of technology. And if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, why are these plants able to read this and have this reaction? I think our understanding of what's conscious and what's aware uh, and what life is, you know, we really need to think about that. And I want to take a look at, I want to talk about, you know, our understanding of nature tonight on this show but something else that comes to mind with this I I don't know if this would be considered nanotechnology but with this type of technology turning a plant into a battery I again I think about us as human beings how you know we're basically some type of energy system for these archontic creatures or these energy parasites that that I've been talking about that I've, you know, talked about and that are referenced as the Archons and the Nag Hammadi, that people who have experienced these night terrors have felt this draining of their energy. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that we are some type of 
uh, battery. That's the same thing they said in the Matrix movie that, you know, and he held up a Duracell battery that they turned us, you know, into batteries, you know, as, as an energetic output. Is that what's happening to these plants here? Is that what's happened to us? You know, I don't know. But with this technology, I think about um, an article I read years ago um, that discusses possible downsides of some of this nanotechnology and it falls into the realm for some of conspiracy theories but there's a couple articles i found one was on waking times and one was a report i think in the washington post um you know this one article is called uh, on the waking times is your body infested with self-replicating nanofibers and i'll have the links to everything i'm mentioning in the show notes tonight um but what this article talks about is with all the chemicals that we're, that we're ingesting right now, whether it's the, the GMO foods, whether it's the air pollution, or a lot of talk about chemtrails in this article already with, we don't know everything that we're putting into our body. Now, people are reporting, and some of this information goes back to 2008, but people are reporting that they feel these stinging sensations or these intense horrible itching sensations and their hair starts falling out and they said in these certain areas of their body <clears throat> fibers start crawling out of their bodies hairs and, and uh almost like little worm-like things that are all sorts of different colors and in one report uh, according to this article some of them take on uh geometric shapes like perfect hexagons so it's these little nano fibers that are causing great itching in people crawling out of their skin uh, and we, they can't identify these fibers they're not a natural occurring they're occurring a, a naturally occurring organism at least as far as we know so it's called morgellon they're calling it morgellon's disease m-o-r-g-e-l-l-o-n-s um, you know, in a, in a Washington Post article, and this is going back to 2008, but this woman, um, you know, she reported that she was sitting at her computer one night, and she just felt like she was being stung by a thousand bees on her back, and uh, her husband lifted her shirt, couldn't see anything, and what he did was he stuck some packing tape on her back and, and pulled it off, and he's a botanist, so he took, I guess, a magnifying glass he uses to examine leaves and looked at the tape, and they saw all these red fibers on there and she started having all these other crazy health effects um she said in the dark when the lights were out was when it was worse it was as if they were crawling all underneath her skin and again she's not the first to uh or the only to report this as of 2008 there were close to 12,000 people reporting symptoms of this so uh you know is this a, a a mutation in nature or is this some type of nanotechnology that that got out or was intentionally released uh, you know, what are the consequences of turning a plant into a battery, giving the plant the ability to conduct electricity, um, you know, to be a monochrome display and change colors? Uh, it sounds awesome. It sounds like a really neat thing and it has a lot of good potential for humanity. But at the same time, you know, what are the consequences of that, of, of messing with nature? <clears throat> you know, and that, that brings us back to, I talked about this on my Facebook feed yesterday. You know, I think we really need to stop and take a look at, you know, I mean, it's the whole point of my book, you know, uh, we're not who we think we are. And I can't stress the importance of that enough. Take a look at who we are. And in my quest to understand that and to try to answer that question, because I have not answered that question, 
but my journey to try to answer that question, I, I looked at nature and I, I dedicated a chapter of this book to, to that. I'm not going to read from it tonight, you know, but in understanding who we are, I, I tried to say, well, okay, let's, let's assume that some form of creationism happened. Um, you know, you have your creationists and you have your evolutionaries, and then you have a, a hybrid of the of the two in between. So let's explore both for a minute. Let's say creation happened and something created mankind and it created all life in existence. Call it God, call it a third party. You know, there's there's stories of the Anunnaki coming down. Ray Davis talks a lot about that in his book, um, you know, Anunnaki Awakening. You know, where it talks about, well, we had a naturally occurring species on this planet and this race of beings came down and influenced or manipulated that. So uh, that species to basically become a slave race. Whether you believe that we were directly created by the divine or we were in, you know, an intervention occurred. Let's look at the design of nature. And I think in understanding that design will give us somewhat of an understanding of the designer you know, and when you look at nature, and I talk about how I used to think nature was this beautiful thing, and, and and it is. Nature has these absolutely beautiful qualities. You know, I can go take a walk in the woods and just get captivated by how beautiful it is. And there's so many beautiful creatures out there, and life is exciting and abundant. But then every single one of us is hardwired to eat, and the way in which some of some of the, these creatures, ourselves included, consume food is horrifying. It's absolutely horrifying to to see something die. And to, I can only imagine what it must be like to be eaten by a lion or while you're still alive, or with these parasites that exist out there. Um, I'm not talking about the energy parasites. I'm talking about these actual parasites that get into uh, the bodies of animals and change their behavior. Uh, some of these parasites will eat their host for alive from the inside out. Some of them go out and change the behavior, uh, change the brain function, change the activities, and cause these organisms to go out and put themselves in harm's way. Uh, and now they have you know evidence of uh, an amoeba that is transmitted through cat feces that lives in the brains of humans that alters, it, it makes them immune to the smell of cat urine, which then allows people to become the cat lady and have cats come in and, and live in your home and you know have 500 cats running around spreading this amoeba you know, and, and promoting its life cycle. So I, I just think that the design of nature can be very, very cruel, and it's designed to promote consumption and that consumption you know is uh, and results in, in death and suffering and, and I I hate bringing it here you know talking about this level of stuff but I think you know we keep trying to put a band-aid on this major wound that that exists and I think that wound starts with our, our knowledge our understanding of of who we are um, and until we can get a better grasp of that we're going to keep having this cycle of violence and sadness and suffering and sickness and disease um, because we just we're, we don't understand how to treat this problem because we're not really addressing who we are and what we are so I, I say take a look at nature take a long hard look and examine the world around you and look at the design of it um, you know now that's that's based on a creationist beginning there. Let's say something created us and it created all that stuff. So what does that say about the creator? Why did it really design us? You know, if it loved us, why would it design us to 
have that pain and suffering. And you can make a lot of different counter arguments. You know, maybe that there, there's a really big lesson to be learned here, and this is just a school, and this is just a stage. Well, that's a that's a rough lesson to learn, and that's a possibility. I guess I have to entertain that. But now let's look at a purely evolutionary standpoint. Let's say that, you know, life just happened by chance. The Big Bang Theory occurred, and everything just randomly happened to occur. You know, and then at the end of the day, well, that sucks. <laughs> you know, if there's nothing else out there, nothing created us, and, and we sh- simply just evolved to this state. You know, that's a rough design. Uh, But, you know, what do we do about it? Whether we were created or whether we just evolved to this state of consumerism, can we do better? Is altering the DNA of a plant, is that a better option for us? Um, Or, or you know, making a plant into some type of battery? Well... Does that cause any suffering for the plant? I'd be curious to see, you know, if we hook them up to that that polygraph machine, what kind of reaction the plant has now that it's been, uh, you know, it's been chemically and electrically changed. Um, I don't know if that's better. You know, I don't know what the alternative is. You know, I I think that as humans, we are capable of finding that out. Uh, I think we can put, we have some really good minds that we can put to work and and explore this, you know. But I challenge all of us, all the listeners that we have out there, um, what are your thoughts? You know, am I just crazy for, for, I keep coming back to this, man. Like, I just keep coming back to it. You know, every day I have to eat something and no matter what I eat, I feel like, well, something I have to die for, for, for this. And I try to acknowledge that, but that doesn't make me feel any better about it. But what choice do I have right now? You know, it's, it's who we are. Should I just come to peace with it or should I, uh, you know, continue just doing things the way that we, we have been? Um, I, I don't know what the answer is, <clears throat> but it's a, definitely a tough one. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, that's pretty much all the time I have for, for today's show. I'd like to thank you for, uh, for listening and continuing to listen and for, you know, for the emails I've been getting about the show. Thank you so much for, for my listeners out there uh, and the comments and the likes and the shares. It means the world to me. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you're new to the show, thank you for tuning in. Please, you can read I Am Human for free. I Am Human, we're not who we think we are. Visit serviceofchange.com slash I Am Human. You'll sign up for the secret newsletter, and you'll get your free access, and you'll get you know my thoughts and commentary as well, exclusive to subscribers only. Again, that's all the time I have. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this show. I'm Dennis Snappy II with Service of Change. This has been the Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you. Seekers.